What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jackson Interaction Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Jackson, and uh, this has probably been the longest we've ever gone in between episodes. Uh, our last episode with comedian Jonathan Craig has been quite a while ago. Uh, we've been focusing on the GPTV and uh, me and Shane Knowles' Old School Dives Wrestling Podcast, but getting the old Jackson Interaction Podcast back going again because... Uh, I've been doing quite a bit of stand-up the last few months, and I'm wanting to kind of lean back into that. And I'm wanting to uh, to have some guests on here to talk about stand-up comedy, and that's what we're doing here tonight. Is I've got a comedian with me that I met here a few weeks ago at the uh, Prestige Continental Wrestling Show in Montgomery. Uh, me and him got to do commentary together. We had a good time, and. Uh, want to have him on tonight we're going to talk a little comedy we're going to talk a little bit about that uh crazy wrestling show he called behind the bar in montgomery and uh, i want to get his take on it uh, i know that was his first one that he's called so i've called some pretty weird shit for kevin brandon shows and whatnot so just want to get his take on that but right now let's bring him on let's not waste any more time let's welcome my guest the one and only comedian tyler fomby how you doing tonight tyler doing great how about you man Doing well, man. Doing well. Excited, uh, excited to get to talk to you on here tonight. I've uh, been doing wrestling podcasts since 2007, uh, but I, when I did uh, episode two of this one uh, with my buddy Jonathan Craig a few months ago, it was the first time I had a comedian on, and uh, he is uh, he's a comedian, but he's also a fan of wrestling, so we talk a little bit of both, so we'll probably do some of that here tonight, but just to uh, kind of get things going, just kind of tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, uh, my name's Tyler Fonby. I've uh, been doing comedy for about between three and four years. It's kind of hard to tell because of the, the infrequency of the opportunities around here and also the shutdown, but I'm out yeah. here doing my best. Uh, I loved wrestling as a kid and then just I did, like I stopped having cable, so I got away from it. But uh, this actually like really uh, reawakened what I enjoyed about it. Cool. And also, right now I'm self-conscious because I realized I put my camera too low, and now I'm outlined like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had fun. a great time commentating that with you. So that's pretty much all there is to say about me. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a that's a good start. You know, so. I'm always, um, when it comes to wrestling and comedy, both, um, you know, I, I, I meet and get to know a lot of people from a lot of different age, age ranges. Like I'm 45 years old. Most people are younger than me. So I'm always curious and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this from the wrestling aspect a little bit later on, but, um, I'm always curious as people who do comedy, who do you who sticks out in your mind as the first comedian that kind of registered with you uh, that, that you enjoyed and that kind of gave you the, the itch of hey I might this might be something I want to do yeah it's weird I always thought about it when I was kid like I loved um, George Carlin uh, I feel like that was always like around and you know I, I really got into Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr like uh, when I was in like yeah. junior high and high school. But uh, it's weird because, like, there are guys that it's, it's quite, like, right now, like, Kyle Kinane was one of the biggest ones. It was, like, 
this is what I understand more because like I'm it's it's kind of like a thing where he balances being you know just an angry kind of walking around guy with like you no know, just almost uh like absurdist kind of view of it so I, I, I like that one really stuck with me I really like Roy Wood jr yeah. uh, they're they're too many to name like uh, as for anybody yeah. like I um Taylor Thomason right now is murdering like so I feel like I take away things from most people. There are a couple that I just don't like, but there are not that many of them. It's kind of like watch, you. like you know, what's your favorite movie? Like you can take away anything from any movie. What about you? What got you into it? <laughs> so this seems weird to say now in light of how everything has turned out, but like I say, given my age, the very first stand-up comedy show. I ever remember watching and they played it on Cinemax like every day for years is Bill Cosby himself. And so I remember watching that and thinking, wow, this dude gets paid to just sit on a stool and tell jokes. That's kind of cool. And then I remember, you know, a few years later, me and my buddy Brad got a hold of his, his older sister's Richard Pryor albums and we sit and listen to them. And I mean, we were probably, I don't know, eight, nine years old. So it was mostly just funny because we knew we weren't supposed to be listening to it. And he was cussing a lot. Like That, that is that, the biggest that, thing, isn't it? Like when you Yeah, know at that time, wrong. like in in retrospect, going back, let's do it later. I was like, yeah, I had no clue what the fuck he was talking about. But it just it felt funny because like I said, it wasn't supposed to. Um, but then, you know, later on, like when, uh, when I finally got the itch to actually do it where I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking do this. I think, um, I was really into Doug Stanhope. This was around like 2005, 2006. Doug Stanhope, but that's, that's when I forgot. He's like, I adore Doug Stanhope. He's, he's awesome. He's like, on the Rushmore. His, uh, something to take the edge off album with Henry Phillips playing the, <laughs> the bass in the background is one of my favorite albums of, of all time. Um, but he's one that really stuck out. And uh, David Tell, uh, big fan of David Tell. And uh, two guys I've gotten to meet over the years, which was really, really cool. But oh, shit. it's it's crazy because, like, and I don't know if this is how you, you know, if you ran into this, most everybody does, is, you know, you, you, you make your friends laugh and family and different people like that. And then people are like, oh, you should be a comedian. And people hear that all the time. And to me, that's like telling somebody like, oh, you drive your car over the speed limit. You should be a professional race car driver. Like, yeah, people have no idea what goes into being a I hate the example. other side of it worse when someone's like, uh, oh, you do comedy. Well, yeah, they're like, say something funny. I, man, like, and I've even, I've, I've even got a, like, a bit I do on stage sometimes where it's like, <laughs> stand-up comedy is the only profession if you want to call it that but you know at the level of guys like me and you're doing it's not a profession we're not making a living but we're hoping to but but stand-up comedy is the only thing where like if you tell somebody you do it they want you to prove it on the spot like nobody tells somebody like hey what do you do for a living like oh i work at the tire store like hey rotate these tires like that just don't fucking happen but anybody that tells somebody they're like oh i do stand-up comedy tell me a joke which is the worst thing. Like, you know, you're just like, fuck you. Like, I'm not, no, I'm not telling you. It's just like you're trying to have a beer or something like that. Oh, you're a comedian. Say something funny. Like, <laughs> I could never, like, I wish I had, like, an allergy. So I was just like, 
oh, you're a doctor, and just like swallow peanuts. And then we'll say, all right, go to work. Like, fucking prove it, buddy. Let's see what you got. Come on, man. So, yeah. yeah but... like, I, I love doing it. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love, you know, I'm, I'm attempting it. But I absolutely hate, like, especially like if you've just gone up and then you get down and go somewhere else. Like, oh, you do comedy. Tell me a joke. Like, uh, that is the worst, dude. And, like, people don't understand. Like, people that don't know anything about comedy really haven't studied it and they just kind of watch it or whatever. Like, they don't know all the work that goes into it. I mean, they think that people just walk up on stage and just, they're just rambling. They're just being funny. And the really good ones make it feel that way. You know, yeah. It, it seems that way. But, like, when I first started, you know, I wrote – a little bit of material. I went to the Star Dome, did the open mic. And the first time I went, it went really well. The second time I went, um, I tried the same material, but it was a different crowd. And I bombed. And I'm like, fuck, that worked last time. And in, in the middle of what's crazy is that in the middle of it, after I did like four jokes and it's not working, I just revert to heel wrestler and I just start like ripping on people in the crowd like just making fun of people and shit being just being an asshole and after the after I got off the stage like the club owner was like what the fuck was that like <laughs> I was like I panicked I didn't have any other material I had three more minutes oh you, you got talked down by management <laughs> yeah one of the only <clears throat> one of the only times that he was hanging out back there watching people <clears throat> and uh but also had this thing too like you know from the wrestling side of things like you, know, you don't go out and cut the same promo twice. So every time I come, I was trying to do new material. Like I wouldn't keep working on the same stuff. So, it, um, so kind of tell, kind of tell us about how you got started in comedy. Like what that process was, of kind of like developing some material your first time going up, that sort of thing. Well, actually, I got lucky enough. The first time I had no intention of going up. Uh, so there's a there was a dive bar since closed in in Montgomery where a drinking buddy kind of of mine ran an open mic. I never went, I always enjoyed it, but like I never quite went up. And uh, I was out there shooting pool with a coworker in one night and they just didn't have anybody like sign up because this was like a, a, a tiny place. Yeah. And so uh, my friend that I was shooting pool with was like, hey, just sign up and go tell that story. And I did. And it did well, and it went great. Nice. And like, I liked the way that that felt. So I, I came back two weeks later. It was they were doing it every other two weeks, and I was like, "All right, I'll write some different shit." You know, it's more a story based thing. It went up, and it went really well. And then I got in my head. I'm like, "All right, this shit is easy. <laughs> I can do this all day." So the next time I went up, I uh, I could like I had thirty minutes between getting off work and then being at the mic, and I, I wrote something quick. I'm like, all right, this will work, and I fucking bombed. Like I ate my dick up there, and then I was like, all right, I've learned my lesson. Next time, I'll set some time part. Maybe write for an hour, you know, just for writing an hour for five minutes. And I was like, all right, I'll right. do that. Uh, still ate my dick. Like, it was like, so, like, the first two went really well. The first two just, like, really tanked my confidence, which is, frankly, what you need. Yeah. 
Because any if you kill early on, it's you're gonna think like, all right, this shit is easy. But then later you find out that like, no, sometimes you have to go up intentionally to bomb to see what works or not, just to write what you have, and maybe three of them work, and then check those off. And I don't think a lot of people understand that that's part of the process. It is. Like I, I went up uh, right before I like that was the last thing I did before I came up here, and I would give myself a C minus. It really is, and people will underestimate too. Like, I mean, it's never the audience's fault, but then again, different audiences dig different stuff. I mean, I've done, I've done the material that is absolutely killed, and then turn around and done it somewhere else, and it was like, yeah. And then other times it just completely ate shit, and it's like, I mean. You know, you just have to, you have to basically to be effective, you have to bank enough material to where if you go into something and it's not working, you can shift gears and go another direction. But if you have no other direction to go, then you just drive that plane straight into the fucking ground, you know? <laughs> it's weird because you kind of got to pick between the two, though, because some the, most of the time, like, I figure, like, if I bomb, it's me. So it wasn't, I didn't prepare enough, didn't deliver it well enough or something. But sometimes, like, there, there's nothing you could do for the crowd. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was going to be cannibalized in, in Florida recently. It was two nights back-to-back, and one, like, the first one went really well. The other one, like, these people would step on my children. Like, they fucking despised me, and there was nothing. I, I told one joke in the middle, or actually, no, it was uh, toward the beginning. And I just lost this matriarch of a family in the middle of the room. It was a small room. But after that, like, there was nothing I could do to come back from it. Like, it was fucking over. Like, I've been fatality. Yeah. Like, it's done. <laughs> that sucks, man. And it's terrible, like, when you know you've lost them and, and there's no getting it back. But you still got time to do, you know. <laughs> you just have to go ahead and just forge ahead and do your best. But... But then that's that's where you get to make like most of the time I would try to win them back, but like I just I just like made eye contact and like doubled down, which nine yeah. times out of ten I would never go that route. But it it was the nature of the joke, and I knew like while like the reason why she was mad about it. Yeah. I mean, what do you do when like the room is just turning against you? Or does it matter? Like, you know, is it a situational thing? situational usually but for me like so i've always been a heel a heel wrestler when i wrestled managed anything i've done well, and, like it always looked more fun oh absolutely like it, i told them early on like if, if you want to be a babyface, i don't even want to do this like there's no fun to be had um and so really i mean i always liked comedy i was a fan of it but the only reason i decided to start doing it actively is because my ex-wife just hated wrestling and me and her would fight for two weeks before it was time for me to do a show and a week after so i got into so i just finally just decided it wasn't worth it and i just got out of wrestling for several years and quit and i was like i need something to scratch this performance itch that i'm not getting from wrestling i'll go do comedy so I mean, used to, my goal was to go out there and have everybody hate me. And so it doesn't hurt my feelings to be in front of a room full of people that don't like me. So if I have a show, comedy well, starts going bad, I'll just fucking lean into it. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter. 
that's actually kind of cool. That, that actually like going from heel to comedy. That's genius. And you know, I was already a fan of his work, but I was listening to an interview, a podcast that um, Anthony Jeselnik did with. I love think, him, I, dude. He he's absolutely one of my favorites. Um, because he's so different than than. I mean, you get a lot of people copying him now, but when he first came around, there was nobody like him. And I was listening to him. I think it was on Jay Moore's podcast, actually. But he was talking about the fact that when he was developing his stand-up character, that he was a he he was a wrestling fan at one time, and like he remembered being in Madison Square Garden when Razor Ramon was a heel. And he's, he's cutting a promo and, and he's watching all these people boo him. And he's like, why can't somebody do this in comedy? He's like, why can't you be the bad guy in comedy? He's like, everybody talks about your character, your comic comedy character on stage. He's like, why can't you be the bad guy? And he said, that's kind of where he based his whole comedic character. And of course, you know, he's really, I mean, the, the misdirections, like his, his favorite joke of mine to this day, and I've seen all the specials. We've seen him live a couple of times. Um, <laughs> my favorite joke is is um, when we were kids, my parents always believed in keeping a gun in the house to protect their five children. <laughs> but of course, they eventually got rid of the gun to protect their four children. Like <laughs> <No, laughs> while I love offensive humor, like my favorite joke of his was a relatively clean one, which is odd because I, I like it. I am definitely not a clean person by any stretch of the imagination, but I love the one where he's like, you know, my father was a very private and secretive man. You know, he had a saying, but he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> that's my fucking, like, that's like, so yes. there's no fat on it. It's like a perfect joke. Yes. Like, it's, even though that's probably, like, probably the cleanest thing he's ever done, it's, it's my favorite, despite, like, me loving, like, the horrendous shit that he says. Yeah. It, it's because that's, like, there's nothing left to it. It's just yes. like boom, 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 over. It's, it's completely simplistic, but genius. You know, away. like yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I've just kind of thought, you know, it's like, well, you know, if they're not digging me, then uh, we'll just lean into that and we'll give them a reason not to like me, you know. And uh, most of the time, it goes all right. I mean, I do. I don't. I don't usually talk about this openly because of the whole wrestling aspects of kayfabe and all this shit. But, you know, I do stand up as Gene Jackson, but I also do stand up as this character, Whitey Jenkins. And so um, I've been kind of going back and forth with that. I've got completely different sets as the two different characters. And so a couple of times at Happy Hour in Aniston, I've gone up and opened as Gene and then come back later as whitey with the wig and glasses and all that shit i have to know have you ever done it back to back no do a quick change like a they wanted me to but there's no way like there's so much crap to put on like it's 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 not really i mean i ain't gonna say it's not possible but i just didn't want the stress of it but what, what the thing of it is like when i did when i did them on the show on the same night i went up as gene and I didn't intentionally bomb because I didn't bomb, but I intentionally didn't tell my best stuff. And I kind of did it half-heartedly just so that when Whitey come out, he got a lot better reaction. 
And the crazy thing was like most of the people in the room didn't realize it's the same guy who had came out and opened that was coming back out doing this character, which just See, blows my mind. Crazy to me. Like I, yeah. I love that. That's the I, I, And that blows my mind. Cause I think I just look like, it just looks like me with a stupid glasses and a wig and I'm my voice, you know, doing a stupid voice. But um, a, a lot of people didn't realize it, but I really hated doing it because I mean, you're trying to remember two different sets for one thing. And it's all the changing and all that. It's just I, the the club owner tries to get me to do it all the time. He tried to this past weekend. I did I did Gene on Friday and I did Whitey on Saturday. On Saturday he wanted me to do both. And I'm like, no man, I'm just it's not fun. At that point it feels like work. And the minute this shit feels like work, I'm not fucking doing it. You know, unless I'm making some major money and I'm not making major money. Um, <laughs> but speaking oh, yeah. of this weekend, uh, I did those both those shows I did with uh, Dan Alton. Which I understand, you know Dan, right? Uh, oh yeah, actually, um, the last Thursday I, I opened for Dan at Goat House um, uh, uh, in in Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. So that was the night before because I worked with him Friday and Saturday night, and uh, yeah, it was he's funny a man. how it came how it came about that that came up was we were talking, and uh, he said something <laughs> about uh, yeah, I've done comedy at this. Weird place in Montgomery called uh, what's that game? What's it, games? Whatever. GT South. At GT South. He's like, yeah. I've done it at GT South. I started laughing. I was like, I've never done comedy there. I'm like, but I did a wrestling show out behind there. And he goes, I saw pictures of that. He's like, yeah, yeah. I saw. And so he was telling me a lot of weird stuff about that place. Oh um, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff about that place. You know, we commentated that thing, and then right after there was like a lingerie contest inside. Like it's. Yeah, I hear some shady stuff is going on on that bed that's in there, but uh, we call it the cuddle puddle. So I imagine, the cu- it's yeah, the cuddle it. puddle and that name in itself. But yeah, because I mentioned, I was like, yeah, we did that wrestling show. I was like, yeah, I did commentary with uh, Fomby, and he's like, oh shit, yeah, I worked with him last night. And we had a whole conversation, but uh, but he's oh, a really, Dan's cool. a really cool dude. <clears throat> like we uh, had a lot I of fun that. just <laughs> hanging out before and after the show and talking about comedy and talking about wrestling. He's a wrestling fan too, because oh, yeah. I said something about like before we really talked too much about it, he said something uh, about the owner, about this other, this other chick that was on the show. who's like a big TikTok star. And I said something about, yeah, you know, she's got, she's got him all marked out. And Dan just died laughing. He's like, oh, I love that you're a wrestling guy. Cause you use that wrestling lingo. You know, <laughs> he's like, I don't usually get to drop that in front of people when I'm, when I'm at comedy shows. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I said that that drops into my everyday vernacular. Like I'll be at work and say something. But take people don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Cause I'm using fucking wrestling lingo, but, but yeah, he was really cool. I hope to, I hope you get to work with him some more. Oh yeah. Like I, um, I think it's my third time. Like, you know, dude, and like I, what I love about him is he's the, uh, he's like a walking cartoon character. He's so animated and just like into it and goofy. And I, uh, Yes. That's where my humor is, but that's not at all what I do. Like, I, I I watch him, and I wish I could be that, but I like personally, I'm the polar opposite. God, he's so fucking funny. <laughs> he is. I mean, because like you say, he just he could just stand there and not even say nothing. Just the way he kind of you know, uh, just the way he, like, yeah, he's he's, just, he's, he's like a funny. walking Looney Tune, and it's it's fantastic, and I love it every time. Like, I would I would never turn down an opportunity to watch him. <laughs> And, and I mean, dude's out making it happen. Like me and him were sitting there talking and he's like, yeah, I had a show 
here, 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 here. And I was like, damn, man. And he's like, yeah, I just decided I was going to do a run through the Southeast. And so I started reaching out to people. And I mean, he had set up all these shows, you know, that took him from through Alabama, Mississippi, up to Memphis, and then back around to Louisville. I'm like, damn, man, that's how you do it. Like, I wish I could have the time. I mean, I, I got to work a real job, and he's doing it full time now. I'm like, I wish I had the time to do that. But I actually am. After talking to him and this weekend, I was like, man, I'm going to have to actively try to get some other places. Like, I can't just do this one club, you know, once or twice a month and call myself doing it. Like, I got to go out and try to make some shit happen. But that's, it's it's hard to do. I mean, unless you know, I mean, like, that's another reason, too. I've been, that's another reason I want to do this podcast is have people on network, get to know some folks and you know, hopefully get some opportunities to go some new places and perform in front of some new crowds. I mean, I don't, I'm not ever going to get famous doing this or rich or anything else, but I have fun doing it. And, you know, I'd like to go do some different things. I mean, like this club in Aniston, I mean, it's, it's cool. I like the owner and all that, but like, man, it's a complete crapshoot. Like you'll go one night and it'll be full and you have a great show. And then like, Saturday night, we had six people there because Alabama game started at seven. People just didn't come out. So you got me and Dan and this uh, 20 dime chick that's, like I say, a TikTok person. And uh, you got six, six fucking people in the audience. I've done shows there in front of two. Me and <laughs> so me and a guy named, uh, they call him Mr. Inappropriate. He's a uh, an Atlanta comic, black guy out of Atlanta. And I'm Whitey Jenkins that night. And we show up on a Friday night. There is one 75 year old black couple in the audience. So I'm like, Flint, we're just going to cancel this, right? He's like, no, they paid. They're eating their food. Like, go up and do y'all's show. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, Whitey Jenkins and Mr. Inappropriate. What a pair. So I go up and I start doing my act and then the old guys is like asking me questions. Like we're just having a conversation. So that just kind of devolves into just, we're just basically talking for about 10, 15 minutes. Then I get off, the, I get off the stage and Mr. Inappropriate goes up and he just does his act. Like, doesn't matter. This is a 75 year old couple. Like he does his vulgar fucking act. And I'm just like, all right, I'm out. I can't, <laughs> I can't even hang around. This is too awkward. And I mean, there's been a few shows there that, where there's like two, three people in the crowd and that's it. And then there's other times that it's, it's wall to wall. You just, n you never know what you're rolling up on there. And I mean, that's good sometimes. I mean, I think it's good to have those challenging nights where there's just two people there, but not frequently, not as frequently as it's been happening there. Like, yeah, it's rough, dude. There's nothing fun about that. And then the thing to me too is, it's like, it's not fun for the audience either. Like these times when, I mean, it's just like Saturday night when there were six people there, um, you know, Dan's just like pretty much corrals these people and he's just like interacting with them. And then he's talking about their reaction. Like, well, that kind of sucks for the audience. Like you didn't come there to be a part of the show necessarily. You know what I mean? Like if I, like if it me and my wife there, my wife and they're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't like, being this, you know, heavily focused on, you know, to where it's just like a, a almost like it's just a conversation more so than a show. But 
it's a learning experience for sure. Like what, what is your most memorable state thing that you've had on stage, whether it was like just good, bad, indifferent, whatever it may be, what really sticks out in your head the most. There was one that was weird because um, I haven't gotten heckled often, which uh, thankfully I'm not even sure how it's only happened like once or twice. And I was like, you know, made it through. Uh, but there was one thing where I said something where a guy disagreed and he didn't uh, talk to me about it until after like it was at the old like same bar, GT South, but mm -hmm. it was an old location. So it was a different part of town. Did my set. I thought it went well. And then this guy like pulls up on me. He's like, hey, by the way, which is terrifying. <laughs> so I'm, I might have went into some like religious material that night. I'm not super religious, but I didn't feel like I was like really offensive. I'm not like, you know, just doing fuck Christ shit. But I, just, yeah. I, I made a joke about a church thing that, you know, I encountered that didn't make sense to me. And he got really close to my face and was accosting me about it. And when he was done, I said, uh, well, what the fuck are you going to do? Forgive me about it. And then I walked away and I never saw him again. But like, there was a minute where like, this guy's going to melt my nose. Like, just like put fist upon me. Yeah. But uh, everything's really uh, lucky because uh, I live in a very small town, and in a 15 minutes drive, which is way closer than you know Montgomery, where we did the the wrestling thing, there was a venue right before I started that would occasionally let us do like or let com comedians do a mic. I wasn't there yet, and this dude would set up a system for mics, you know, so everyone could hear you mm -hmm. when you did your comedy. But he hooked a keyboard to it with a laugh track. And then he was watching comedians perform and just hitting the button. Like for the laugh when he thought the punchline would be. And it was fucking up everyone's timing. Oh my God. <laughs> Damn, that's wrong. I, can, I don't even know what I would have done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. that you never yeah, know. I, I would have been. Yeah, I would. I would have been. Would have been like, okay, we're not doing that. Like, fucking stop. <laughs> You're just gonna fucking stop that, okay? Like, wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, like, know, a good friend of mine uh, was actually the one to stand up and be like, "Hey, stop." <laughs> yeah, I mean. I know you think you're helping, but I promise you're not. Like, <laughs> now, this might be the worst thing you could do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> But you know, it back to you know your experience with the guy coming up and berating you about your material like that always amazes me that people take like somebody's up on stage just telling jokes, trying to get you know get a laugh out of people. That people take it that serious that they feel like no, I'm fixing to talk to this motherfucker. Like I ne he needs to know what I think about this. I mean. I don't know, man. Like I've never, maybe it's just the kind of person I am or whatever. Like I've never been to a show of any kind, whether it's comedy or music or wrestling or anything else where I was just like, I don't like this and they need to hear about it by God. Like we're going to, we're going to discuss this. <laughs> like, I'll talk shit to my friends, but I will never stand oh, yeah. up. Like 
oh, by the way, like, you know, like, well, oh, this is fucking like you're on stage right now doing a play. Like, fucking mom it or something. Like, it's ridiculous to think yeah. that you stand up and be like, I am actively not approving of this. It would never even occur to me. No. I mean, it would just be like, okay, well, I guess I won't come next time they're in town or something. I don't know. But yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty wild. And, and something, something else too is the fact that, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I've got jokes that I ain't gonna say, I don't necessarily believe in, but it's not like necessarily something I feel strongly about. And there's some jokes just for the punchline, just to get the laugh. It isn't necessarily even something how I really feel or whatever, you know, it's not something I feel strongly about. It's like, hey, this will get a laugh. But the fact that people take everything that a comedian says on stage serious, like it's something that needs to be debated or something. It's like a lot of times, like, okay, I don't even really feel that way. I'm just telling a joke. Like, it's, it's not like this is a, a speech or a TED Talk or something where, you know, I'm sharing ideas that, you know, need to be discussed and I'm trying to sway your opinions or change how you think or vote or whatever it is that you're change your religion or get you, you know, stop going to the church you're at because of some dumb joke I told on a Saturday night at a bar. Like, come on. But I, I thought we were both out here preaching, man. You're out here spreading the gospel. <laughs> no, like, I mean, that's I how they look at about it. me having resting racist face, which <laughs> means that I'm just like a mediocre looking white dude with a beard and a baseball cap. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm racist. I don't say racist shit, but I say yeah. that I have resting racist face. Like, if you saw me, like, you know, just on that video of the week, like, yeah, yeah you would believe it. Like, yeah, I fucking knew it. Like, <laughs> yeah. But you that's know, not that's, the way that I believe it's for a laugh. That's something, like, I, I've pondered changing the name of the character Whitey Jenkins because people what? I, what's, I what's don't know. Up? I that's why I haven't, that's why I haven't done it because I don't even have an idea. But it's because, like, people have this assumption, like, oh, this is going to be fucking racist. I'm like, none of the material that I do as that character is racist. How about it's not, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even deal with race. But it's to the point where I think they're, I, like, I, 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 I pretty much only use it as that one club because I don't think I can get booked other places. I think they hear that name and see the character and they're like, okay, we know where this shit's headed. We're not, nah, we're not, we're not doing that, you know? So, but everybody, all my friends are all like, no, fuck that. You can't change the name. That's half the charm of the How about Ashy Jenkins? Ashy Jenkins. <laughs> the first time I went up at, uh, at happy hour, I just showed up and the club owner was like, yeah, go, go put your shit on and go up. And so it was like, a, it was all black comics from Atlanta. And so somebody comes and hands the, the host a note and he's like, okay, the next guy coming to the stage, he's like, I'm really confused because his first name's the whitest name I've ever heard, but his last name's black. I mean, Jenkins sounds like a black dude. He's like, so I don't know what the fuck we're fixing here, but let's bring him up, you know? And, um, and then, you know, everybody, <coughs> everybody laughed and it went over well, but even he came up to me after the show and he's like, I ain't gonna lie, man. When I seen you and read that name, I thought that was fixing to go a whole nother way, dude. Like I figured I was going to be ready to fight you after the show. <laughs> I'm like, no, but I was like, the name is kind of, I said, the name seems racist. I said, because the whole character, I said, here's the deal. I was like, this character 
is actually a parody of like three different shitty wrestling promoters from Alabama. And one of them is like a card carrying clan member or used to be. So I made the name Whitey. I don't think you even put your card back in, probably. It's right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, no, no, no. He's, he, 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 gave it, he retired. Like. But I made the name that to mock him. <clears throat> and I never. So, like, this guy I know did like comedy wrestling shows. And so I created that character because I, I didn't want to be me on those shows. So I created this character for that show. And then I started making these YouTube videos and put them up on our YouTube channel. And then I had a, a real wrestling show that does TV over in Mississippi that we're going to do this weekend. As a matter of fact, me and Mako um, wanted like, Hey, we want to, we want to put Whitey on TV. I'm like, it's a comedy character. What the fuck are you going to do with him? He's like, Oh, we want to use him. And so can yeah, you blur my face out like cop? <laughs> so we start so we started doing it there and then um somebody's like, Man, that's really funny. Like when you do stand up, do you do it as Whitey Jenkins? Like, no, I never have. And they're like, Well, you should. And so I was driving <clears throat> back and forth to work and I was thinking about it. I'm like, that opens up a whole nother new batch of material that I could do completely different than what I do now. So I just started writing some stuff and then I went to this club down there and tried it and it started working. Well then for like a year, I just only did stand up as Whitey Jenkins until I kind of got, I got like a 30 minute act together. And, uh, now I've just started writing new stuff for Gene Friday night. It's the first time I've went up as Gene since like April. And, uh, I don't know. I think I'm fixing to lean back into doing more common, more stand up as Gene and put Whitey on the shelf comedy wise I'm, I'm still going to do stuff with him for wrestling and these goofy youtube videos and i'm probably fixing to do another podcast with him because you know i've only got like four fucking podcasts i need another one like a hole in the head but <clears throat> um i think i need to go out and try to make a name for myself as as gene because i think uh, and i talked to i talked to a guy about it that's been around comedy for a while i'm like what do you think like should i just do the character or just not do the character like Am I pretty much just spinning my wheels trying to do both? And he's like, if it was me, he's like, I would just be you and do the character in your act, but not have to have the glasses and all that bullshit. Just do the voice and take on the characteristics of him, and you'd have the best of both worlds. I was like, hmm, you may be on to something there. So that may be something I do in the future, too, especially if I've got a lot of time to fill. Because that'd be a way I could merge those two acts together to some degree and use both. But so you would always reference Whitey, right? Yeah. I think it's important. Like, uh, we've never <clears throat> seen each other do stand-up. Um, yeah. So uh, we, we commentated that one uh, wrestling match together, which I would probably be banned for life because <laughs> I, was, I was in a place, I guess. But I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like, what is... I need a sentence in Whitey and in you, just like because I've never seen Whitey. Um, I wish I could. Let me see if I've got like a clip or something we could upload right here real quickly. And it's not like I'm uh, I'm walking across the street as you, and I'm walking across the street as Whitey. Uh, so. I've never, I've never done it without the shit on for a long time. So I, I wanted the character to be kind of Andy Kaufman esque, where especially like when it comes to wrestling, I'd never acknowledge that 
Gene was what like actually this podcast right here is the first time I've ever openly talked about it anywhere just for fun but um I find it hard to just do without <laughs> without context let me like I said if I could find a clip to put up that would be better honestly. I just realized like I was trying to get through the the process of getting this up and you, your uh, little, uh, your your name is Gene Jackson. Mine is Y because I was trying to get through the process faster. <laughs> so under under my face, there's just Y. Yeah. Which I think I is something come up. I was like, oh. Um. So yeah, there's a little Waddy Jenkins clip uploading. We'll play this here in, in just a minute. I will join it see, immediately. You can kind of see the the two if it ever finishes loading. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So. And I think it's something that's kind of weird too. Yeah, we're we're two people that do comedy. We're sitting there talking, but we've never seen each other do comedy, um, which is weird. But I run into that a lot, you know. Oh yeah, um, just gonna be like, well, I didn't know his material. We're gonna delete him. He's wildly racist. Like, you, I'm not, but like you know, you didn't know that going in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. This thing's loading really slow, but anyway, um, I'm glad to hear you're a cat person. I've got three, and uh, oh yeah, one. And uh, all right, she's being a bitch right now. (laughs) Yeah, one of one of them plays the producer of our podcast. Yeah, on cue, I mentioned I mentioned the cat, and there she is. Yeah, I, I got one. There we go. Yeah, we had two for the longest, and we just, like, a week ago got a kitten. And it's so dark you can't just see her. We'll just assume she's there. <laughs> we'll take your word for it. Um, all right, so here we go. Here's a little clip of Whitey Jenkins. How y'all doing? Whitey Jenkins here. I just want to remind y'all this Saturday, August the 13th, me and my buddy Dave DeBoe going to be down there at the Happy Hour Comedy Club in Anniston, Alabama. We're going to be standing up and doing comedy. Well, Dave's going to be standing up. I got to work that day. So if I got that chair out there on the stage, I'm probably going to sit in it. But. Okay, so that just looks like me in a pair of sunglasses doing a stupid voice, right? Like. No, I think I've drank with you at, like, at 1048. <laughs> I, I think I've met you in disguise. And that's what's weird is like I show that like so I show that to my boss. Not that video. That's not that's not a very good video. But I showed him like. Uh, the EPW wrestling, like me on TV. And he was like, yeah, if you hadn't showed me that with your phone, like I would have known that was you. I'm like, Are you for really? He's like, no, I would have known that was you. And then, so then I showed it to my parents and my mom and dad was like, yeah, I, I could have flipped past that on TV and not known that was you. And that just boggles my freaking mind. But, you know, um, but that, you know, the stupid redneck character and, and you know, people, uh, Another thing that annoys me about it is like people hear that name or just see a picture and like, oh, it's like Larry the Cable Guy. I'm like, fuck you. No, it's not like Larry the fucking Cable Guy. But it is in a way because it's, you know, you're doing a character and all that jazz. I get it. But it always it always irks me whenever somebody says that. Uh, how long have you been doing like stand up? I'm I'm just curious. I, I like hearing um, people's like bad stories about it. I started in 2007, but it, I mean it's been that's very the year that I graduated high school. Jesus, I graduated in 1995. See, I feel 
old as fuck. But I mean, I did it and I started in 2007. I did it for a while and then I stopped and didn't do it for like a few years. And then I started back and then I stopped and then I started back and then I stopped. So it sounds a lot longer than what it really is. If you talk about doing it on any con- consistent basis, but tell the truth, like the, like the exciting that I get is the opposite. So I'll get people like, Oh, well, I started when I was 23 and I was like, well, I didn't, you know, get around it until I was like, you know, was fucking 29, 30. They're like, yeah, that's too late. And then they walk away. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, fuck, it is starting too late. Like, we were like, oh, you know, there are a lot of comedians that started late. And sorry, yeah, like Roddy Dangerfield. And then no other example. I was like, that's He's the go to. Nobody. Roddy Dangerfield didn't get over until he was 50 something or whatever the fuck it was. And it's like, and. But, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I did, a, after I had done it, I'd already done it a few years. Um, I did a um, a comedy workshop, like, course at Stand Up Live in Huntsville uh, for, like, every Sunday for, like, six weeks. And it was Jonathan Craig and Scott Eason and a couple of guys from around Huntsville uh, that worked quite a bit did the... Um, did the workshop and it actually was one of the best things because several people was like, man, don't do that. It's shit's a work. Like it, there's, it's just, it, no, don't do that. People can't, you're either funny or you're not. People can't teach you. And I agree to that to some, some degree, but where it helped me is like, I did comedy was something I did completely alone. Like I would write material when I was married to my ex-wife. I would not run any of it by her. I wouldn't tell her any of it because I knew she didn't have a particularly great sense of humor. And I knew if I said something and she made a face or didn't react, then I would never. And that's going to be my closer. <laughs> and so, and then even like, since I've divorced her and like, I'm, I've, I've been married to my, my current wife for almost 10 years. Same thing. Like I write material. I don't run it by her. I don't run it by anybody. I try it on stage. Well, that workshop, you know, like the first hour or so, you know, they would teach, whatever they're teaching. Then we'd break up into groups and we'd kick around ideas and we would have stuff we'd written through the week and, you know, people would you'd tell it and then they would, you know, give you tags or improvements, whatever. And then the last 45 minutes, we would each go up on stage and do like five to six minutes a piece. And that was the first time I had ever did comedy with someone else and bounced ideas off anybody and got reactions to my shit. And there was several jokes that I had been doing for a long time that I really uh, tightened up and, you know, it helped a lot doing that. And then after we got out of that, I it's back to me doing it by myself. I don't ever bounce anything off anybody. And I know it would be effective if I did, but I'm just always like, uh, I've got more faith trying it on stage. And I hate telling jokes without content. You know what I mean? Like if me and you were sitting here right now, I was like, hey, what do you think of this joke? And I just say it. With, you know, without, because you, when you're just, if it's just two people talking, you're not going to say it with the same inflection and act it out and do it like you're going to do it on stage. You're just going to be like, okay, so the joke is I go across the street. Um, well, that's know. why I hate when someone says, say something funny, like, all right, like, this is the joke, but then you, you're not going to deliver it. You're not going to give inflection. You're not going to exactly gesticulate or any of that. You're just going to, all right, well, A to B to C. And they're going to be like, ah, that sucks. Yeah, and you're like, and oh, fuck, fuck me, I'm never yeah. saying, I'm never saying that out loud there, again. Like, All right, I'm going to swing you the fences. There's like four people in here. 
I get to spread my wings. If two of so, these last, I will keep working on it. <laughs> so yeah, that, so that was a long way around, I guess, to getting to the question of asking you. So what is your process? Do you do you have friends that you run stuff by or do you just write things and then go try it on stage? Or, I mean, do you have a process now? I mean, I know we kind of talked about your early process when you're starting out, but what, what is it now? Well, quite honestly, uh, I'm not doing great at the process. I, um, so I try to write things. So if I go to an, like, you know, any kind of mic or any kind of show, I will try to start with what, like an opener that works and a close that works and maybe work some other things in between. If there's a lot of people, I will just go to, you know, the things that have worked in the past. So I get really self-conscious about trying new things, which is dumb because that's, that's where it comes from. It's, it's going up there and bombing and being like, all right, I did five minutes. These two jokes worked and like, I'm bad at doing that. Yeah. That should be the process. But right now, like, you know, it's, I, I live in a place where I there's an open mic every two weeks that I get to go to, and then you know I uh, when I get invited to do things out of town from the people that I've ran across, I usually do like ninety percent of my strongest material and then ten percent of experimentation. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the process is uh, it, it would be a luxury if I had one. I, I write a lot of stuff. And then uh, there's barely any chance to do it other than every other week right here in town. I mean, that's more than most people have. It's like, I use I use the Comedy Club Aniston pretty much like my, almost like an open mic. Because like I just, I just have to try new stuff when I go there. Because there's not any open mic. Unless I want to drive all the way to Huntsville, which from Gadsden is a pretty good freaking haul. I mean, it's like an hour and a half. Oh yeah. During the week and the way my and the way my work schedule is, there's just really no way to make that work. But um, I wish there was an open mic where I could go try stuff out, you know, and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm pretty much. I mean, that's the cool thing about the club in Aniston. Yeah, the crowds are inconsistent. It has its issues, but I could pretty, I could go up there every weekend if I wanted to. I mean, if I, I have that option, so I mean, that's that's pretty cool. But it so. Like that's one thing I've been trying to develop is is like a process, I guess you should say, because like I've like over the last since I started doing well, I'd say years before I actually ever got on stage, I started reading like any books I could find on stand up, all the all the cliche comedy books. I've read them all, and I've watched every kind of you know, workshop type stuff or work comedians like giving tips and all this kind of shit. And then podcasts came along. I mean, I've listened to tons of podcasts. I listen to Joel Byers podcast, you know, every week and all that good stuff. And uh, listen to what other people do. And uh, and it makes me feel like shit. It's like, man, I'm lazy. Like, and you know, there's people that write every freaking day. And like, I have a trouble writing unless I know I've got a show coming up. And then I'm like, fuck, I need to sit down and work on this. I need to figure out what I'm going to do or write some new stuff or, you know, whatever it is I'm, I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> before I have to go do the show, um, but in, I, again, long-winded way to say something. I say all that to say, in all those books, in all the, I mean, you can go on YouTube now and just watch hours upon hours upon hours of people giving comedy tips, comedy classes, comedy, all this, and they all talk about, um, uh, 
stage personas and finding your voice and all this kind of, you know, stuff. Do you feel like at this point, you know, the amount of time you've been doing it, do you feel like you've found your voice? Do you have a specific persona that you feel like you're portraying up there? Or at this point, you still just kind of, hey, I'm going up, I'm telling my jokes and seeing how it goes. I know this is a bullshit answer. But I, I wouldn't say that I've found my voice, but I think I'm in the right direction. So when I first started going up, there's this guy that's uh, way better than I am, way better than I'll ever be. And he told me to be more animated, like, you know, louder, uh, you, know, just, you know, just walk around, swing my arms, and I'm just, I'm not that guy. Yeah. And while he is, you know, he's way better than me, like, murders. I knew I could never kill trying to do that. Right. So I, I think it was first like being like, no, I'm not that guy. I will never be that guy. Uh, one of my favorite um, comedians, you know, in, in, in our little circle is a one-liner guy. I'm not a one-liner guy. I, I have maybe, I've written maybe three and maybe two of them would work. I'm, I'm usually a story guy and I punch them up. But like... You can admire somebody with not taking their full advice. Yeah. I think is the takeaway from that because he was like, you know, you really need to be up here. And I'm like, that will never work for what I look like and what I sound like. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things I took away from that. So I think the best advice is uh, fail, fail kind of a lot. And, and don't be afraid to, you know, go up there and try things until <coughs> until something hits. But then that's the other thing, too, is and it's always like, you know, be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. But to me, when I got the most comfortable, and then in turn, it improved when I did Gene, but like being a, just being a complete character made me more comfortable on stage because it's like, okay, I know who, I know who this guy is is supposed to be. I know who I'm portraying him as. So I know exactly how to act, how to talk, how to be this person that I want you to think that Whitey Jenkins is. But then when I go up there as me, I mean, I know who I am as a person, but I mean, I don't know how that translates to comedy persona and all that. You know. Well, I can't imagine having two things you have to do. Like I can barely do one. <laughs> and, I, and the only thing I can think is um, that maybe that's where the work needs to be for me as far as Gene goes is figuring that out because like I say I know who Whitey's supposed to be so I can lean into that and play into that but I don't think about who Gene's supposed to be because I'm more focused on the material so I'm like okay well then maybe I need to concentrate on coming up with some things that I make sure I get across as me but then that just feels weird it feels weird saying it feels pretentious like even saying shit like that that's not like i yeah he's thinking way too much about this shit this is it's, uh, you're telling jokes dickhead you're not, how do i get to be two people when meanwhile my guess is half a person now i get it <laughs> <laughs> but that's the th i mean i don't know that to me is the kind of what makes comedy fun and interesting is, you know, there's all these elements to it. And most people think it's just go up there and be funny. It's like, no, man, I wish it was that easy. Every time you invite somebody to do that, they don't. Every time you're like, all right, well, well show me how it's done. They never do. Oh yeah. No. 
no. Well, because I, I, God, I can't tell how many times there. Well, if I would just go up there and do so and so, okay. Well, I can make that happen. I can get you a spot. Like we can, we can do that next, next. Oh, I got things to do. It Speaking really of, like uh, baffles me the amount of people that think you get up there and do like comedy covers. Like you know, all right, if I'm doing karaoke, I will do "Faith" by George Michael, and someone's like, "I'm gonna go do uh, the open mic stand up, so I will just do." Uh, Fucking Bernie Mac. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do My Sister's Kids by Bernie Mac. And then I think I'll close with uh, Football or Baseball by Carlin. Yeah, we, we had to do, like, uh, one of the open mics. He came up, and I swear he did, like, an entire Mitch Hedberg set. And then, Dude, like, you know, fucking us morons had to go up later. When, uh, when I started doing open mics in, like, 06... And it's kind of like this now, but it was really based on who was popular then. You could stand to the side of the stage and just about everybody that went up, you could put your finger on exactly who they were like just trying to be. Like there were a ton of Hedbergs. Dane Cook was a big thing at the time and everybody was trying to go up and be Dane Cook, which was painful to watch. Larry the Cable Guy, every redneck dude was you know like the dust bowl (laughs) and and it's like man like i would just stand up and so that's why at that time like i didn't want to be a character i didn't want to be anything like that because i'm like i don't want nobody to just look at me like yeah he's doing so and so you know that's that's who he's trying to be um but speaking of of giving people the option to go up and they don't do it and maybe this hasn't been your experience, but like when people hear that I do comedy, same with wrestling, but especially the comedy. Oh, cool. You do comedy. Oh, I want to see you do that. Okay. Well, I'll be in Aniston this Saturday night, nine o'clock. Oh, okay. Well, I'll probably be there. They never come. Like nobody, no, not, not nobody even. comes to see you. <laughs> oh God, you mean I have to get in my car? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I just thought I could like turn it on a certain channel or like it would be streaming somewhere. I'm like going somewhere to see you do this shit. Like it's terrible. Like uh, every, I can't tell you how many people I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to come see you. Okay. Well, I'm going to be in your area this time. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll try to be there. They're never there. Never. I hate to do this. I've got to go replug in my charger so my phone doesn't die. Okay. I'll be right back. No worries. Okay, so we're going to be wrapping this up here in just a moment because uh, Benny, our new kitten, he is crying outside the door dramatically and uh, He's going to end up waking my wife, Rosie, up. She has to be up super early to go to work in the morning. So Tyler gets back. We're going to talk a little bit about the Prestige Wrestling Show that we did commentary on together. And uh, we'll we'll wrap this one up. And, uh, and hopefully we'll have Tyler on again. I've enjoyed this conversation. It's been a fun show. Hope everybody else has enjoyed it. I hope this noise that's been going on hasn't... Uh, been too hard to bear i know it is i know it is annoying because it's annoying me it's in my headset and i don't know i don't know what it is maybe it's mine maybe it's his i don't know but uh anyway nonetheless hopefully it hasn't hampered anybody's enjoyment um i was just kind of talking to myself here about 
Oh, that's bad. You were plugging your sponsors. The noise that's been going on, but also the fact that we're fixing to wrap this up here shortly because our, our, our kitten's at the door crying its eyes out and it's going to end up waking my wife up and she has to be up at like 5.30 in the morning for work. So, uh, so do you before, want to talk about the, the, the wrestling commentary? Yes. Or what do you want to do yes. with the, the wrap-up? So I, I wish I could... Uh, my Like I said, my YouTube channel got completely shut down or I would send you a link to uh, me and uh, a comedian named Tim Statham, who used to be a, like a nationally touring comedian, but he retired, but he still does shows in, in and around Alabama. And uh, me and him used to do commentary on this, as I mentioned earlier, wrestling comedy show, more or less. And it's not really comedy. It's just wrestling that's just really, really shitty and easy to make fun of. And so uh, this guy would pay me and him to do commentary, and we basically just ripped on it and made fun of it, like, the whole time. And I would love if, I mean, if me and that guy hadn't had a falling out, like, Tim quit doing it, I would totally bring you along, me and you. Because just based on what we did on this show, where we were being halfway serious, oh, my God, I mean, you could kill on that damn show. But anyway, um, it's a shame. It's, it's, it's not an option, but it's not. But anyway, this was your first show doing commentary. So there, <laughs> so this like show is outside from everywhere. Like that was <laughs> this show. So we come all the way down to Montgomery from Gadsden, and 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 there's a whole folks. If you're listening to this and you want to hear more about the Prestige show that we're talking about, me and Sanders and Scott Morgan did a whole podcast about it. Pretty much reviewing the whole show but for me and Tyler's sake here just to give you a uh, reader's digest version so we show up at this little place um G- st games gt i can't i can never remember gt south gt south i always want to call it games or something gt south is a small little bar on the side of a road in montgomery and we get there and they were setting up a ring out in the grass behind the bar and so they're setting everything up and me and Mako were standing there. Mako, a friend of ours who was running this show. And I'm looking around at where the ring is and I see a power pole way away with a light at the top. I'm looking around. There's no, I don't see any other lights anywhere. And this show's starting at eight o'clock. So it's going to be dark. So I asked Mako, I'm like, hey man, is there any other lights besides that one way over there? And I can tell this is the first time he's looked. And he's like, no, oh, I don't think so. I'm like, it's going to be a problem, buddy. Like, <laughs> they're recording this. You got people recording it. And it's going to be pitch black dark out here. Oh, shit. What can we do? And I was like, man, the only thing, only thing I would know to do would be to uh, have some people pull their cars around here and point their headlights towards the ring. He's like, okay. I was like, but there's going to need to be people stay in those cars because this ain't That's the like the second head. fight in Lionheart with Jean-Claude Van Damme, just like a circle of headlights. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> back when back when Lionheart was made in the 80s, you could just turn on headlights and they would stay on indefinitely. But new cars, they don't do that. They shut the fuck off so they don't really Yeah, they don't have any plug-ins out at GT. So they, t- they turn all these headlights on and they sit there with the headlights on and then the music plays the two guys come to the ring for the first match. And just as the match starts, all but one set of headlights shut off at the same time. And we're basically watching these two guys wrestle in the dark. 
in the first match. And they had a good match, as best we could tell, with two shadows moving around in the dark. But in the second match, they brought out this big... At first one, they brought them like, I think, was it a cross they're bringing out here? Like, what the fuck is happening right now? And then it was turned out it was just this big, long, tall uh, light tower, which was a game changer. You suddenly could see everything. <laughs> it did help. <laughs> it, it helped. It didn't... It wasn't great, but it helped. And all I'm thinking is like... Bless Fomby's heart. Like this is his first time doing like doing a wrestling show. I'm like, I hope he doesn't think this is what wrestling shows are because this is. Oh, this, this is, is exactly a- what I thought wrestling shows were. Frankly, I felt like I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. Well, I I, I would like to think I didn't deserve to be there. Um, <laughs> we're probably not talking <laughs> about it in the same way. <laughs> we we absolutely aren't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, Mako is a good buddy of mine, and uh, honestly, I mean, considering all the uh, the challenges that came up from the time he got there until the time the show was over, it, it came together pretty well. Honestly, the matches were the matches were pretty good. They figured out the light situation. I haven't heard anything about what they've done with the footage or if they were able to sync up our commentary with what was going on in the ring because I mean they just pinned microphones to our shirts and we just sat there and talked and how the fuck you would sync that up after it was over with I don't really know oh even then because I remember you had like a mine like I don't know how long mine was off oh yeah your shit out the battery shit out on yours yeah that's right so probably like I that should be a blessing really So what was your takeaway? So, I mean, like I said, it was your first one. Did you have a good time? Is it something you'd want to do? Oh, I had a blast. Cool. um, And it's weird because, like, I I came in kind of nervous because I don't – I've never commentated anything before. And as much as I love wrestling, like, the minute that I stopped having cable, like, I just didn't really watch it anymore. So I was like, oh, I hope I know what everything is. But then, like, it came back kind of like – all right, that's a hurricane runner. That's a that's a power slam. That's a, you know, a, and so it started to come back. And then, you know, that the point where I said, uh, what was it? That's an injury that's going to stay around, like come on corduroy. And then yes. I heard it like eight feet away go. Fuck did he just say? So I was trying to do like you know I was trying to be poetic and maybe too poetic. <laughs> no, it worked, dude. Because somebody like during the intermission, you had went in to the bar or the bathroom or wherever the fuck you went, and the guy who was running the camera come over there and he's like, "Dude, you killed me with the come on corduroy line." I'm like, "No, man, that wasn't me. That was that was Tyler. Like I'm not, I I can't take credit for his joke. That was that was his." He's like, "Oh man, I was dying over there." He's like, "All y'all shit was funny." And, you know, we had some guys sitting in front of us, you know, that, like, during the intermission was like, man, y'all are killing me with the commentary. So I was like, okay, well, this is coming off good. So hopefully it sees the light of day somewhere. I don't know what the plan is, if it's – oh, shit, it froze up. Great. I don't know if people are still hearing me or we're completely froze or what's going on right now. But on my end – Tyler has disappeared. There he is. He's back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was trying to figure it out. I don't know what happened. Yeah, something froze up. It happens. It, I'm surprised it hasn't happened more than it than just that one time. But um, 
But anyway, like I said, I don't know if they're going to put it on YouTube or what their plan is on how they're going to get that out in the world. But uh, I hope. Well, it's I mean, I'm, I'm ready to be fun. fired from Starbucks. So <laughs> throw it up, you know, every can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was anything too too terrible in there. Nothing, nothing to get you canceled anyway. You know, maybe some people get offended by the language, but I don't think there was anything. You know, they're going to. That no, wasn't me, and I'm just vulgar. That's there's a difference, right? You can use the Absolutely. words. You just you know you can't you know. Do something out of line. You can't target people. But yeah, just remember, like, you know, the next morning when I was thinking about, you know, reflecting on what I had said, it was like, all right, that was kind of a lot. There was a something on corduroy stomping on dome, folding a dude like a fucking lawn chair. I was like, I will never be invited back. Oh, I mean, Mako. Mako will love it. I mean, like I said, it was, it, he, he told me, because he heard some of it, and I guess somebody told him about it, because he, afterwards he's like, dude, y'all did exactly what I wanted. Like, that was great. I wanted it to just be fun. He said, I didn't want to sound like this wrestling commentary. He's like, it was perfect. I'm like, cool. I'm like, that's what we did. I have heard him say that he felt like the, uh, the PG-13 era, like, kind of ruined wrestling commentary. Yeah. Like, right after Attitude and all that shit, like, he was like, yeah, I don't want that. And so, like, when he asked me if I would do that, I was like, hey, am, am I allowed to drink and cuss? And he was like, yeah, I'm kind of banking on it. <laughs> yeah, he's probably going to disappoint me with mine because I didn't I didn't lean into that aspect to it in the in the early going because he really didn't tell me what he wanted. He's just like, I, was, I mean, you guys are funny. I know y'all, you know, will we'll make it good. So I didn't really know. You know I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to kind of see how this goes and go with the flow. Cause like I said, I've done horrible, like vulgar commentary where like hotspots didn't want to sell the DVD. Cause they said a lot of it was questionable. Some of the things <laughs> me and Tim said, um, the then, funniest like, once, part of this, what's come on corduroy came out. I'm like, okay, I see where we're going with this. We're, 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 we're all in good. I'm there. <laughs> the funniest part of this to me is like, uh, he told me that I was going to be commentating with somebody. But he described Whitey Jenkins and not you. So I was looking for Whitey Jenkins. I I mean I asked him, I'm like, which one do you want? He's and we went back and forth on it, but the last the last thing we discussed, he's like, Well, you're Gene on the podcast, let's just be Gene. I'm like, Okay, that's fine. So and I walked around honestly, three times, like probably waving like a lost child at Disney World parking lot or whatever the fuck. And like I was I was looking for like you know, he's like oh yeah white dude cut mullet and shit I was like all right there are no mullets in here. And What's crazy is I I did put that shit on for like twenty minutes and we shot a video and did some stuff and I'm like fuck it's hot with this stupid wig on like I, no and I, and I told him I'm like dude I don't know if you wanted whitey or not but I'm like I'm not sitting around here outside at night in a, in a fucking wig like just no I'm not doing it. Which I could have did the voice because nobody saw us anyway. But, you know. Yeah, it, it killed me because like when it, like finally like, I walked past this guy five times and you didn't tell me it was just him. <laughs> like I was looking, like I walked past you. I think I might have asked you to find you. Like, hey man, you know Whitey? Like it was. <laughs> oh yeah, because like I said, I'll always kayfabe. Like I fucked that guy. I don't know where he's at. You know, like. <laughs> oh, I, I would too. I don't. I don't blame you. But then when I sat next to you, we did all that shit. And what it cracked me up is, you know, when I uh, I told what I was allowed to do, you looked at me and you gave me like a, a look of like a fatherly approval. Where you're like, all right, I guess I'm gonna say fuck too. I guess we're in Montgomery, <laughs> Alabama. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that's where basically it was. I'm like well, he's going to set the tone. I mean we can we can do this as 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 clean as necessary, or you know we can we can get a little we can get a little rough with it. And then like I said after you, after a couple of things you said, I'm like oh okay he's coming in hot. All right, let's do this. I'm 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 here for it. Let's go. That's why you're professional. <laughs> so you know. Like I said, I wish you could see some of that shit me and Tim did, because, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Going back and seeing some of it later on, I was like, yeah, I guess some of that is low. Well, especially, like, this was, like, 2017. And so when you went back and watched it in, like, 2020, when everybody had gotten real uptight, like, some of the jokes we made about one of the Mexican wrestlers was probably considered a little, you know, not racist, but questionable but close <laughs> but close enough but enough plausible deniability that's my that is my motto in life Any, whatever it is whether it's wrestling commentary or being at work plausible deniability is where it's at as long as you can be like that's not well, how at least I meant if it. you're commentating you're like, yeah that was, that was my character I don't really <laughs> exactly which is all the more reason i should have put the stupid wig on because then i could just be like I don't know. Let, let me go find Whitey. He's, he's back here somewhere. Then he's getting the car and fucking leave at that point. You know. Oh fuck! After I said come on quarter, I would have put my wig on backwards so the mullet was in my face. That would have been like a, like cousin it from that point. Yeah, I could have been anybody. I have no idea. <laughs> well, man, this has been a lot of fun, man. I've enjoyed talking to you, and uh, I hope we get a chance to work together some more, brother. It's wrestling commentary, or we get to do stand up somewhere. Uh, like I said. We'll try to get you up to Aniston sometime, and I, I'm working on trying to line up some gigs here and there, and uh, I'll definitely keep you in mind if I get anything lined up, and if uh, if you ever know of anybody that needs a uh, a fat guy that's moderately funny or that has a mullet, I can I can show up with either one or both, if need be. Yeah, I probably couldn't do that for you, because uh, I, you're not fat, man. You're beautiful. Oh, well, uh, you're comfortable lying, so I like that about you as well. That's that's a that's a good good trait to have as a comedian, or, yeah, especially lie. a wrestler. Especially a wrestler, you're you're, yeah. you're you're ready for the wrestling business. If you can look straight in that camera and say say that, then yes, you're ready to promote. I'd be brother. the Andre the Giant of dwarf wrestling. Like, no, oh yeah, I, you could be I'm the promoter, like brother. I promise <laughs> you, you go out there and fall through to that on that gravel out there. We gonna have you some money after it's over, and then they're like, "Where's Fomby? Like, oh, he's been gone. Like, he ain't got my money. Fuck." And that's who Waddy Jenkins makes fun of is those those types of promoters that exist all over Alabama and Mississippi. So that that's what he started out as was was a parody of wrestling promoters, and now he's a fucking idiot on stage doing stand up. I mean, I, I think you combine the two because. I mean, a lot of people make fun of their, like, you know, just weird jobs. Like, uh, when, when I first went up, one of my, my was, like, making fun of how weird factory work is. Like, all right, we have a lot of alcoholics making helicopter parts. That's <laughs> fucking terrifying. But I think you can buy Whitey and you. And um, thank you for having me. Thank you for absolutely. Man. I, I loved commentating with you. And I would absolutely uh, love to see uh, – let us, you know, just marvel at each other's stand up or not marvel at each other's stand up. It'll be fun either way. It, 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 it definitely have some fun. If, if we could, if we could ever pull off a show where me, you, and Dan could all work together, that would just be a riot, in my opinion. 
And yeah, who knows? Maybe we will. We're in the we're in the southeast, so geography is the worst problem. It's like, all right, where can we go and not get stabbed by church people? <laughs> That's true. That's true. There are a lot of good comedians out here. We we, we need to do something. Uh, I'll hit you up about it later. Maybe we'll figure something out. Yeah, we're gonna figure something out. We'll and I, you know, even after we figure it out, I'd be glad to be a part of it. Hell yeah. And uh, uh, like I say, we've had a lot of fun tonight, you know, kind of digging into there's so much to be said about comedy. And, and I'm always fascinated by how people get into it, why they get into it. And like I say, what their process or and why they should be. Some people, don't have a, you know, some people don't have a process and that works for them. So I find all that fascinating. So I'd love to have you on again in the future. And uh, maybe someday, you know, we'll have some kind of round table on here. We'll get three or four of us on here and. Uh, just kick some shit around and uh, have some fun. But anyway, man, I'm going to let you go. Uh, the alarm clock goes off pretty early in the morning, so I'm going to hit the bed. But again, it's been a pleasure. And uh, take care and keep tearing it up out there, man. All right, man. I appreciate you having me out. Anytime, buddy. Take care. All right. Have a good night. All right, man. There he is, Tyler Fomby. Funny guy. And uh, who knew I would go to Montgomery for a wrestling show outside of a bar and make a new friend that I feel like I have. And I feel like that we'll probably have some more wrestling commentary in our future. And uh, hopefully we'll do some stand-up shows together right now. I'm reaching out, looking for different places. So, Hey, if you know of a comedy venue and uh, think you can help me uh, get something going, hit me up gene Jackson 95 at gmail.com or cheap TV live.com. Either one, that's where you can go. You can find me. And uh, we'll make something happen. So until next time, I'm Gene Jackson. Thanks for watching.